Hey guys, Mark here. The situation in Ukraine is still moving very fast. Please keep in mind that things may have changed by the time you listen to today's podcast. Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, February 25th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Russian tanks and armored vehicles stormed Ukraine from three separate fronts yesterday. Reports say the city of Kyiv is on the verge of falling to Russian forces. And the UK wants to punish Russia by removing it from a major payment system. Plus, the war in Ukraine is shaking global markets. The FT's Katie Martin puts it in perspective. Everybody that I've spoken today is completely blindsided and depressed and honestly feels a little bit icky talking about markets when there are much more important things going on. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Ukrainians woke to explosions yesterday as peace in Europe was shattered. Hours earlier on Thursday, President Vladimir Putin ordered Russia's military to invade Ukraine from the north, south, and eastern borders. Western powers were quick to condemn Russia. French President Emmanuel Macron held a call with Putin yesterday and demanded he stop Russia's military actions. And Western countries continue to place sanctions on Russia. President Joe Biden announced he was cutting off Russia's biggest lender from the U.S. financial system. Meanwhile, the European Union is preparing a far-reaching package of sanctions. They would freeze some transactions with Russian banks, ban some state-owned companies from listing on EU stock exchanges, and stop Russian nationals from making large deposits in EU institutions. But still, it seems Russia could capture Ukraine's capital soon. A senior Western official told the Financial Times it won't be long until Russia assembles overwhelming military forces around Kyiv, a city of nearly 3 million people. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson wants to punish Russia by ejecting it from an international payment system. SWIFT is a Belgium cooperative that's used by more than 11,000 banks and financial institutions around the world. It essentially keeps track of trillions of dollars worth of transactions every day. Russia accounted for about 1.5% of the transactions on the SWIFT system in 2020. This is incredibly important for any country or company or especially bank, to be part of the international financial system. That's our banking editor, Stephen Morris. He says that while Johnson is leading the charge to ban Russia from SWIFT, the British prime minister is having a hard time getting other countries on board. Germany, um, the EU, and and even the US is still undecided on, on whether to impose the SWIFT ban. But essentially, they're worried about reciprocal damage to their economies and their financial institutions. Um, the European Union relies on Russia for a huge amount of its natural gas and oil supply and pays for that using the SWIFT system. There could be ways found around um, Russia not being able to participate, but they would be very difficult. So really, they're just thinking here about what the knock-on damage would be to their countries and their financial systems. So, Stephen, what does SWIFT have to say about all this? Well, of course, SWIFT has found itself in an incredibly difficult and delicate position. I spoke to somebody earlier with knowledge of their operations, and they said it's a very delicate balancing act. But at the moment, they're just staying quiet, trying to keep their heads down and not attract any more attention than they have already. But in a way, I suppose it reinforces the importance of SWIFT to the cross-border banking system in the sense that you know, taking out one country from it could have such severe rep- repercussions on its economy. 
And how does SWIFT play into this? And, and can the UK convince other countries to get on board with removing Russia from the payment system? Well, SWIFT played a large role in helping exclude Iran from the financial system when there were sanctions on the country a while ago. But it would need to be combined with direct sanctions on some of the largest financial institutions, corporates, and most powerful people in Russia as well. Otherwise, in and of itself, a SWIFT ban wouldn't apply the amount of pressure desired by Western governments. Um, We have already seen that the UK has imposed direct sanctions on VTB, the second largest bank in Russia, freezing its assets in this country, um, as well as preventing debt being raised. Um, So there are a variety of other measures of which SWIFT is one. Um, But at the moment, considering there's been so much debate between the countries, it looks like, at least in the short term, we're not going to get a coordinated international um, decision to ban SWIFT. And just one country going alone is not enough to cut it. You need to be coordinated. Stephen Morris is the FT's banking editor. The war in Ukraine is wreaking havoc on commodities. On Thursday, Brent crude oil burst above $105 a barrel for the first time since 2014, and European gas contracts jumped as much as 70% after Russia invaded Ukraine. Russian and European equities had a horrible day, while U.S. stocks were up a healthy amount. To digest this and other market movements, I'm joined by Kitty Martin, our markets editor. Hi, Kitty. Hey, how are you going? I'm doing okay. Um, Kitty, how would you describe the mood in markets yesterday? It's utterly grim. I mean, everybody that I've spoken today is completely blindsided and depressed and honestly feels a little bit icky talking about markets when there are much more important things going on in a way. You know, everyone is totally shocked by the scenes that we're seeing on television screens from Ukraine. You know, nonetheless, people who look after our savings and investments and pensions and all the rest of it are are paid to look after our money and they have to think about what the economic and market ramifications are. And at the moment, they're, they're really not not pretty at all. It's very clear this was a very big shock to fund managers. Yeah, I want to thank you for making that point about the seriousness of this war. That's a really important perspective to keep right now. So Katie, there's a lot going on in the global markets. What are investors looking for? What really matters to global investors is what happens to commodities prices and to major stock markets. So the upshot for global markets and for US markets is basically this, right? It's that this pushes commodities prices, which have already been on a you know rip higher. It pushes them even higher. It makes the outlook for inflation even uglier. So we've already got inflation running at 7.5% in the US. All things being equal, this pushes inflation still higher. And so this makes life very difficult for central bankers, right? Because on the one hand, they don't want to raise interest rates into an environment where there's literally war in Europe. On the other hand, to the extent that this is super inflationary, they can't afford to sit back and allow an inflation spiral that's already gone well beyond most people's comfort zone. What this probably means is that the Fed, for example, there's been some talk that it might raise interest rates by half a percentage point in March. That feels incredibly unlikely now, but maybe they do still stick with a quarter of a percentage point, which is the normal increment that they move by. Yeah, and that potentially softer touch by the Fed on interest rates, it it seemed to have affected U.S. stocks because the Nasdaq finished Thursday up three and a third percent. 
Katie, we saw a lot of investors rush into cash yesterday. How come? It's just all the classic bolt holes. You know, there's a certain amount of muscle memory in global markets where when the going gets tough, it's gold, it's Swiss franc, it's Japanese yen, it's the dollar, it's US treasuries. I tell you what it's not, is Bitcoin. So the idea that cryptocurrencies are some sort of geopolitical haven or that they're an inflation hedge, that narrative has been rather challenged over the past few days. But um, yeah, it's just a bolt to safety. Kitty Martin is the FT's markets editor. Thanks, Katie. Pleasure. And before we go, our Moscow bureau chief, Max Seddon, and other experts will be hosting a free webinar on the Russia-Ukraine conflict today. FT subscribers can tune in today at 1 p.m. London, 8 in the morning, New York. You can sign up at ft.com slash Ukraine webinar. Again, that's ft.com slash Ukraine webinar. We'll also have a link in the show notes. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Jess Smith. We had help this week from Eli Meixler, Joanna Gao, George Drake Jr., David De Silva, Peter Barber, and Gavin Coleman. Our executive producer is Topher Forges. Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio. And our theme song is by Manafort Music. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.